Okay, so actually, uh, on the way here tonight, on the way to the shul, this, um, this woman comes over to me and she says, uh, Hey, do you remember me? I'm like, no, I don't remember me, do you? She says, remember the lady with the kids? We came a day early. What happened was we had this uh, event during Sukkot, a concert, and she thought the concert was the day before the concert. So she came with her kids the day before the concert, and what's she going to do? She her, I mean, it was, I thought it was, like it was late at night that she especially took her kids to the concert, so they should come back with something. By divine providence, at that time, uh, Gagi was making the, the um, candy bags for some Torah. Like, oh, great, so like, she should come back with something. So I told her, oh, we have something for them. And I gave the, the, the two, two children, I gave them uh, candy bags. So, so I didn't realize at the time, but she's told me now that her husband is very sick, and uh, it meant a lot. You know, they, they were looking for something to do, and 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 they needed something, and and this was really like helpful. So I was thinking, like you know, so many things happen every day, and we have no idea what's going on in someone else's life. We have no idea. We rush, and we go from here to there, and we have no idea what's going on in other people's lives. Rushing is. Usually, the Torah says that rushing is a good thing. In Hebrew, the word for rushing is rizus, but actually, it's not exactly rushing. Rizus means alacrity. Mordechai Eliyahu says alacrity, said alacrity is half of mazel. Do things with speed and alacrity and energy and enthusiasm, that brings the mazel. He says, how do you get mazel? You do things with alacrity, that brings the mazel. Uh, very often Tanya says that alacrity has to do with joy. It says, what makes you have alacrity? What makes you have alacrity is that you're happy about what you're doing. So, so okay, so it's a good thing to have alacrity, a good thing to have speed, but at the same time, and you have to do mitzvahs, quickly grab them, etc., but at the same time, we, we, <laughs> you, have, you have to notice what's, what's happening around you and not, not miss out on, on the... I could just as easily say, oh, no, sorry, it's tomorrow night, you know? And... and uh, and the kids would have come and whatever. So, speaking of that and that subject, we are reading this week's Torah portion about the mitzvah of visiting the sick. It says in Avram Avinu, he circumcised himself, and God himself came to visit Avraham on the third day after his circumcision. He was sick after being circumcised, so God himself comes and he, and he visits Avraham. question obviously is, alacrity, God... God, whatever God tells us to do, He does Himself. So how come God didn't come on day one? Why did He wait for day three to visit Avram? So let's do things quickly and visit, visiting the sick is a mitzvah that, unfortunately, a lot of people which are sick and they're sick, unfortunately, for a long time and it gets ignored. So how come Hashem is giving this example of visiting the sick and yet He Himself comes three days late? So some say, well, let's talk about, let's, let's break this up a little bit. Day one. Day one. What happened on day one? Avram circumcised himself. Well, not exactly. Look carefully in the Torah. We, we read in, this, in the, our prayers every day. It says, V'charas bris. Hashem made a covenant with Avram. The Talmud says, He made a covenant with Avram. He had to hold his hand. Because Avram was, wasn't an easy thing to circumcise himself. Don't try this at home, folks. And uh, he needed Hashem's hand to assist him to, to circumcise himself. Yeah, especially at 100 years old. Uh, 99 years old. So... So that's what some, so some say, well, day one he visited him. Okay, day one God with, with, was with him. Fine. What about day two? How come he didn't visit him until day three? Could have visited him on day two. 
So let's go a little deeper into this story. Day three is here. God comes to visit him. And it's very hot outside. Why is it so hot? It says it was unusually hot. So some commentaries say the reason it was so hot, God wanted to make it easy for Avraham. And therefore he made it hot so that Avraham wouldn't have to go take care of guests. So being so hot, so no one's tra- walking in the street, so, so that's why Hashem made it hot, so he could ease, he could rest and relax. He's a guy who takes care of everybody in the street. So Hashem made it so hot that no one would travel, so Avraham would be able, to be, able, be able to rest. Other commentaries say that the goal of the heat of the sun was that was part of the cure. It was unusually hot, and that was somehow in the sun there was, there was a, a blessing for health. So, okay, so that's, that's the reason why it was hot. But again, why? And then Hashem comes and visits him. And Avram sees Hashem. And as he's speaking to Hashem, as he's speaking to Hashem, three people arrive. Who are these three people? They're really three angels. And they look like people. And Avram leaves Hashem to go greet the guests. And the Talmud says, and here we see that it's better to... Uh, greet guests than it is to speak to God. Avram is in the middle of speaking to God, and he leaves God to speak to the guests. So we see that it's greater to greet guests than it is to speak to God. Okay, but we don't see a continuation of God's visit. God visited Avram. What did he do? What did he say to Avram? He just visited him. We don't find anything that happened. What was God trying to do when he visited him? When he finally did visit him, what was he trying to do? If it was for the midst of visiting, we should have come earlier. So what was God doing when he, when he visited Avram? Some commentaries say, the Rajbam says, God didn't visit him. God says angels, God sent angels to visit him. And it was only angels that came. I, the Torah says, God came. It doesn't mean God, it means angels. Angels are called by the name of God. Because it says, the, the Talmud says, your emissary is considered like you. Angels, and the whole being of an angel is a servant of God. So, an angel, when it says in the Torah that God appeared to him, it really means the angels. And each angel had a mission. One angel was to heal Avraham. One angel was to... Was to uh, to inform them that, that Sarah was going to have a baby. So the goal of the visit of God, according to the Rajbam, there was no visit by God. You're right, God didn't visit him. But according to the simple meaning of the verse, according to the way Rashi explains it, God did visit him. What did God do when he visited him? What happened in that visit? And it's a very abrupt visit. God visits him, and he goes to greet the angel. So what was the goal of that visit? So the answer is, it was... There was no goal. And that that's also gives us some insight about the mitzvah of visiting the sick. The point of, what's the point of that mitzvah? There are many opinions about what exactly is the mitzvah, where does it begin, where does it end, and how do you perform the mitzvah of visiting the sick. I was thinking about, the, about it this week because this um, gentleman in our community who was sick for a while and, and uh, his wife was saying that no one, no one visited him and unfortunately he wasn't the only one. And... Uh, the question is how what's the goal of visiting when are you obligated to do you have to actually visit can you call also how does this mitzvah work exactly so the Toysus Harash he writes the mitzvah is to show that you care the mitzvah is not to accomplish anything you're just going there to visit and to show that you care and the Torah says that we're supposed to we're supposed to follow God's example so God also when he visited Avram he did Nothing. His goal was just to visit him. And so too when you visit someone, you visit someone who's sick, let's say they're sleeping. Have you done the mitzvah of visiting the sick? 
So when they find out, Tosafos Rosh says, when they find out that 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 you visited them, they'll feel good that that someone cares about them. So therefore, the mitzvah is just to just to show up, just the fact that you came there. Even though guy didn't see the guy, the guy was sleeping when you came there. That's the mitzvah. Especially uh, men need this encouragement, right? We all we want to feel good about ourselves. I know you feel good. You feel good about yourself. You look at your phone. You got another text message. You know they got another WhatsApp. You got another email. Someone's thinking about you. That's how, that's how you feel good. So we have to we need to hold our toys all the time. Make sure that we know that we're we're doing good. So, so the question is though, uh, is that is that the entire mitzvah, or is there more to it? So there are other opinions. But before we get to other opinions, I want to talk about the cr- tremendous reward for this mitzvah, which is highly overlooked. The Talmud says this, the, the reward for this mitzvah, which is a very unique mitzvah. In general, the Talmud says that the reward for mitzvahs you get in the world to come. But this, with this mitzvah you're rewarded to in this world as well. And the reward is that you won't need to, you, you won't need to, to uh, endure the same thing. You won't need to be sick. By visiting the sick, you'll be protected by God for, for health as well. And also, you're protected in the next world's, world as well. Talmud says a crazy story about Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. Yeshua ben Levi was visited by the angel of death. Right? How fun is that? The angel of death... God told the angel of death, when you visit Yeshua Malavi, I want you to do the following. He's a special tzaddik, so whatever way he wants to pass away, do it that way. Alright. Whatever. You're in charge. So the angel of death, this is what the Talmud says. What the inner meaning of it is, not for our, it's beyond the scope of our class today, but just listen to the words of the Talmud. It's unbelievable. Yeshua Malavi asks the angel of death uh, for his knife. First of all, let me have your knife. Okay, and before I depart from the world, I just want to see where I'm going to be stationed in the world to come. What's, what exactly is going to happen in the world to come? Okay, fine. Where you want to go, it's up to you. They go to the world to come, and he, uh, and he says to them, well, we have to actually do something before you go into the world to come, because uh, no one who is alive is allowed to go into the world to come. You have to first do something else first before we do that. So Shuma Levi uh, says, just show, show me where, just want to see where it is. He says, well, it's up over that wall. Shuma Levi gums over the, jumps over the wall. He has the knife of the angel of death. And he's safely in the world to come alive. He arrives in the world to come alive. And it's an incredible miracle happens to him. And it doesn't happen to too many people. A uh, similar thing happened to Elijah the prophet, not exactly. And Shuma Levi is in the world to come alive. Another tzaddik hears about this. And he's jealous. He's jealous. It's not the right word to use for tzaddikim. But it says, the Talmud uses that word also. Uh, it says, when Mashiach will come, we'll all be jealous of each other. Every tzaddik will look at the other person's spiritual virtue and say, ah, I wish I could be like that. So he says to Hashem, well, how about me? I, I like to go the same way. So God said to that tzaddik, did you visit the sick? Rabbi Shuman Levi's mitzvah was visiting the sick. He excelled in that mitzvah. So by visiting the sick... That's not, not just that you saved in this world from, from all kinds of tragedy, but also in the world to come, you got it made. So the question again is, why didn't God do this? Kitsu is alive. He's alive, yeah. Okay, so... I see you're very familiar with that, that passage in the Talmud Zohar. I wonder why. Anyways, so the Gemara says that... The last one is Moshiach. Rabbi Kiva Eger... Amazing thing, Rekiva Eger, he excelled in this mitzvah as well. He himself would visit the sick. He spent hours visiting the sick. And he said, and until he became the rabbi of Posen, and he, there were so many sick people in the city of Posen, 
that he himself couldn't visit them because he had too many responsibilities. He, had, he, he did this, he, he, wrote and wrote so much Torah that his, his works are studied by yeshivas all over the world, everywhere. And he, he found the time every day to visit the sick. But when he came to Rabbi of Posen, he was no longer, no, no longer able to do this. So he himself paid two people to visit the sick because he couldn't do it himself. And he said an amazing interpretation. Uh, on the, There's one chapter in, in Psalms dedicated to the midst of that is visiting the sick. Um, and he said about this, there's a, uh, ch- uh, chapter uh, 49, right? Uh, there's a parsik of verse 10 over there. It says, which literally means you pass away and you leave to others your wealth. Kiva Eger interpreted the, the verse to mean as follows. Yazu means to help. Like the Torah says elsewhere, Azu Tazavime. So Kiva Eger says, Yazu Lachelim, the help you give to others, that's Chelim. That's your strength. That's your merit. That's what it's all about. So even though he was such a great Torah scholar, he did it himself. So one of the amazing things it says when you visit someone who's sick is that you take away, the Talmud says, 160th of the illness. Why one sixtieth of the illness? Why not more? And how, what happens if sixty people visit that person? Does it automatically disappear? So the simple meaning is of one sixtieth. It's not one sixtieth of the entire illness. Illness. It's just one sixtieth. So the next person also takes away only one sixtieth of what's remaining. So you can't have sixty people visiting and take it all away at once. But why one sixtieth? So when some some commentaries say, well, you're going to get the illness. You take it away and you bring it to yourself. So the law in the Torah is that whenever something, whenever there's a mixture of kosher and non-kosher, so if there's 60 times more kosher than non-kosher, then, the, this, then it's considered negligible. So although you take away a 60th of the illness, you're not going to get sick yourself because it's something which is negligible. That's the point of 160th. But how does it work? How does the illness dissipate exactly? How does it work? It works through osmosis, you go in the air of the sick person. At what point does the illness get taken away? So according to Sarash, he says it's a logical thing and it happens naturally. Unbelievable. The Gemara says a story about Rabbi Kiva. Rabbi Kiva had a student who was sick and he asked his students, how's he doing? And nobody knew. So he himself visited this person who was sick. And as when someone's sick and he was ne- is neglected, what happens is that the house gets dirty and the, the, the windows were drawn and, and the air was murky. Rabbi Kiva himself came there. He cleaned up the house. He opened the, 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 the windows and the student looking at Rabbi Akiva, he gets up from the bed. He wasn't able to physically get up, get up from the bed before. But seeing his own teacher come to him and, get, and take him and, and do that all for him, it just, it says in Tanya, it says in Tanya that uh, in chapter 46, it talks about melting a heart of stone. And when someone goes out of your way like that, someone who's such a high caliber, and goes and, and helps you out, it just melts your heart. So he told Rabbi Akiva, Hechi Tanya, you revive me, you give me life. And he said, I don't need it anymore, I'm, I'm better. That's how I work for Rabbi Kiva. So, but the same is also whenever you visit someone who's sick, just the fact that you show that you cared, that itself is what makes them better. It's, it's, it's a natural thing, according to the other interpretations. But according to Tesis Arash, he says it's a natural thing. So, there are, mo- there are other opinions. But before we get to other opinions, let's just go over a couple of, of uh, scenarios to figure out how this works exactly. How about a woman who, just, who has just given birth? Is there a point in visiting a woman who has just, just given birth in the hospital? How about a baby? Is there a mitzvah to visit a baby who is sick? So it depends what the, the purpose is. If the purpose is to, to show that you cared, so the baby doesn't know that you cared. The baby doesn't even know that you came in or you didn't come in the room. So, so, or if, let's say someone else is there with a baby, so the mother is there already. Let's say, the, I mean, we know now that, that the babies are very aware of, of things in, in their environment. But let's say someone else is there. Do you also have to come in the room? And, and let's say there are people there that show... So... 
the Ramah writes, the purpose of visiting the sick is to daven, is to pray for that person. The Ramah writes that, there's, there's, that that's why you should come to pray for him. That's why you should come to visit the sick, so you'll pray. Why can't you pray at home? So one thing it says in the Code of Jewish Law is that the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, is at the head of the bed of a sick person. So there's something powerful about praying there because the God's Presence is there, but there's another reason. When do you pray more? When do you, when do you pray from a deeper place in your heart? It says in Sifri Muslim, it's like the, the closer you pull the arrow to yourself, the farther the arrow goes. So too, the, more, the deeper your prayers are, the more of an impact it has in heaven. So, so too, when you are visiting somebody who is, is, is uh, sick, you pray for them in a much deeper way than you, had you prayed for them at home. So, chas shalom, if a child is sick, any person's heart is broken. By seeing a child sick, it's, a, it's the most heartbreaking sight to see. So, so there is a point in going and visiting the child for the purpose of your prayers, that you should really mean it when you pray to Hashem. Your prayers are, are heard more over there. The Divine Presence is there, and, you're, and you feel your prayers more when, when you're there. Um, another point is like Rabbi Kiva to actually take care of the person who's sick the fact you're there you're able to take care of the person who's sick you're able to, to, to be there and help them so there's a point in, in just being there and so a woman who's, who was in the hospital so she has just given birth so that, that she, it could be she has all, all her needs taken care of by the, by this, the hospital staff let's say um, but what about the idea of, of and praying? Does she, does she really need your prayers? I mean, it's more of a natural thing. She, she's given birth. She's going to get better, hopefully. So the, you knew need, the prayers aren't so emphasized, but the idea of showing that you cared is, is, is definitely there. I mean, you can't always... Uh, you also don't, don't want to trouble the person that you visited. There is a concept also... Um, what about what about I asked before? What about sending a letter? What about calling on the phone? And then also the mitzvah of visiting the sick. So Misha Feinstein Al Vashom writes that you do fulfill the mitzvah of visiting the sick when you when you, when you call on the phone. You cannot say it's not visiting the sick. In Hebrew, the word levaker doesn't just mean to visit. Levaker also means to find out the condition of. Levaker means to examine. So Misha Feinstein said the mitzvah levaker choylam is. To see what's going on. So you call the person up on the phone. You have shown that you cared a little bit. Rabbi Feinstein said, then says, you can't, but you're not fulfilled your obligation. He says, if you, if you could do more, you have to do more because you obviously show you care much more by actually, actually showing up and just by calling on the phone. So, so the, the mitzvah isn't fulfilled just by calling. You've done the mitzvah, you're doing the mitzvah by calling, but you haven't, you're not, you should do more. Um, but if the person doesn't want you to be there, oh. then. You're not doing the mitzvah, you're doing the Exactly. The Talmud says different Ill- illnesses people do not want to get visited by. These certain illnesses are it's annoying to get a visit. So, so it, in certain cases, it's absolutely better to call than to visit. The person doesn't want visitors. Sometimes a person wants visitors, but they say they don't want visitors because they're, they don't want to sound needy. So, uh, but, and then that's very common. Anyways, the, in regards to um, uh, Hashem's visit, we asked how come Hashem didn't visit till day three? So Rachaim HaKadosh writes that it's similar to the halacha of not visiting till day three. The halacha, you don't visit a sick person till day three. Why not? The reason you don't visit till day three is two reasons. One reason is, unless you're very close to the person, you don't visit the person until day three. No, it's a really close friend, you don't visit till day three. Two reasons are given. One reason given is because till day three, um, you don't want to like hurt the mazel. You don't want to... The person doesn't feel that they're sick necessarily till, till they're sick for a couple of days. So all of a sudden, the whole shul visits them on day one, like, oh, I must be... <laughs> I must be... You make the guy feel worse. I must be doing really bad. Everybody came to see me. I, you start feeling worse and worse. Everyone's here. I'm such a nebuch. 
<laughs> and also it's some, some kind of like ayin hara ruining the mazel by, by, by publicizing the illness. You don't want to publicize the illness and therefore more establish the illness, so to speak. That's why you don't visit till day three. However, God, if he would visit Avram on day one, the Rebbe asks, the Orochayim's explanation doesn't seem to answer the question because God could have visited in a way that no one would find out. So, yes, if God visits, you can do it in a way that his own entourage is there and angels are there and everyone in the world finds out, but he could also visit in a quiet way. So why didn't he visit till day three? So the explanation is like this. The explanation is like this. There was a, a boy in yeshiva studying the Talmud, and he figured that uh, whatever has a greater punishment must be more enjoyable. As a bigger punishment must be more enjoyable. So he saw, oh, if you eat chaylev, if you eat this animal fat, you get kares, which is a horrible punishment that the soul gets cut off. He figured this must really taste good. Let me try this out. So he gets the non-kosher animal fat, doesn't want anyone to know, and he goes into his room in the dormitory in the yeshiva, and he takes a shahakal on the animal fat, and he takes a bite, <laughs> it's not worth it. The point is that just because something's forbidden doesn't mean that it's enjoyable. However, there are mitzvahs which necessarily, are, pain is part of them. It doesn't mean you have to look for pain, but pain is part of those mitzvahs. So Avraham wanted to do the mitzvah in the perfect way, and therefore he didn't want God to visit him before, because this is a mitzvah associated with pain. What's the value of that pain? What's the goal? There are mitzvahs which are associated with pain, and Avraham didn't want God to visit earlier, and thus remove the, when God would visit, that would remove the illness. And Avraham did not want to remove the illness before, because he wanted to feel the pain. He wanted to have the pain till day three. There's a gentleman living in Los Angeles, I won't, I won't say his name, but he was in Russia. A moil visited Moscow, and the moil was on the way to the train, and you know, they didn't announce in, in, in Facebook they're going to visit Moscow and do, and, and do uh, circumcisions. So he didn't know the moil was coming, he wanted a circumcision, he was already in his 20s, and he came to the moil and he says, I want a circumcision too. The moil's like, I'm, I have a train to catch. He's like, I don't need anesthesia, I just, just do it. And the guy did a bris mila on the spot without anesthesia in his 20s. Amazing. Like Avram Avinu. So, so there, there, I'm not saying you have to do it like that way. I don't say you have, to, you have to eat the animal fat. But there are mitzvahs in our lives. Everyone has the mitzvah you know that's harder for you to do. And Hashem arranged the world in a way that that mitzvah is harder for you. There's something that's valuable about, about the fact that it's harder. The fact that it's harder makes you have more ownership of that mitzvah. Makes you more connected to the mitzvah. Sometimes... Uh, you see some people in Shul have this weird custom. I've seen people do this. They give a guy a dollar. Guys, you know, in Shul, see people come around asking for tzedakah. So some people give the guy whatever they want to give him. So, uh, they give the guy a dollar. And they give the guy another dollar. And he gives another guy another dollar. What, what are you doing, man? If you want to give him ten bucks, give him ten bucks. What, what, what are you making him wait there for? So he, one guy said, because he, it's hard for him. He wants to, he wants to, he just gives him ten dollars. It's, it's, it's over and done with one time. But there's a certain kind of refinement in, in, every, in every dollar, that, that, that in, every, in every act of giving is an act of refinement, which is, by the way, true, and that's why you're not supposed to give $10 for the week, you're supposed to give every day tzedakah. Every act of tzedakah is an act of refinement. And that's why it's important to give tzedakah every single day. You know that, right? Okay. So, 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 so Avram Avinu did not want to Hashem to visit him because he wanted to endure the pain of the mitzvah so he could connect, he could connect with him more. Whoops. Okay. So, but again, don't you have to look for the pain. Um,
This is also the reason who loves who more? Parents love children more or children love, children love parents more? What do you think? You hope, right? <laughs> parents love their children more. Why is that? They love their children more because they give so much to their children. They give and they give and they give to their children automatically it makes them love their children more. There's an amazing story I heard today. Unbelievable. This guy had a daughter who was a very sought-after kala and finally, this, she meets somebody, and they're happy, and they want to get married. And the father of the girl, um, the father of the groom, excuse me, is a wealthy man. He tells the father of the girl, all the expenses of the wedding are on me. I'll pay for everything. I'll pay for the whole thing. You buy your, your family clothing, that's it. But just come to the wedding. I'm paying for everything. Just, you're just a guest. And the guy is so excited. He needed. The, he, didn't, he didn't have it easy in Parnassa, and he wrote a letter to the Rebbe telling the Rebbe the good news. How his daughter is so honored and so beloved by this family, and this guy is paying for everything. So the Rebbe writes back to him like this. The Rebbe says, first of all, it's wonderful that your daughter is so cherished and beloved. However, the Rebbe says parents should want that their children should cost them in their money, in their body, and in their soul. They should want to give. Money, body, and soul. It's by that act of giving that basically that, that forges a bond with your children and makes you connect with them more. So, so, so I mean, I didn't say this in this letter, but in every, every household, there's always a child who <laughs> gets more attention because that child causes a little more trouble. And sometimes it gets passed around. Sometimes one child is... Usually it's not two kids at the same time. But... Uh, but that child, you, you, you have a different kind of bond with that child because, because of that. Because that child starts up with you more, you have a different kind of bond. So too with mitzvahs. It's a mitzvah in our lives that we have more difficulty with, that, that we can experience them more. Experience them more. But anyways, bottom line is, is that uh, this, this, just like Hashem tells us to visit the sick, He visits the sick Himself, and He heals the sick by His visit. And it says, Mashiach will come, that... Uh, the first Hashem will, will heal everybody, and the first people that are going to be healed are as Who are the first people that are going to be healed? When Mashiach comes, is those who have glasses, those who can't see. Why? Because when Mashiach comes, our spiritual vision is going to be healed. We're going to see God's presence in the world. We won't be blinded anymore by the f- opaque physical in the earth. We'll see God's presence. We'll say Shachol Everything was created by His Word. We'll see how God's Word is everything. So since we're going to be spiritually healed, we're also going to be physically healed, and, we'll be able, and we'll, we will no longer will there be any people which are blind, even need glasses, and uh, it should help that we should uh, increase in this mitzvah, bikra chaylam, look at people in our community that need to be visited, if you can't visit, at least call, and and this kindness brings out God's kindness to bring us Mashiach, and to heal all those people which are sick, take from your mamish. Amen.